Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Good morning. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third is CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague, co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's show, we are reacting to the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup draw. A quick reminder that you can catch a live Attacking Third show at the NWSL Championship. That's right. Lisa and I are going to be present at Audi Field in Washington, D.C. on October 29th. Before the NWSL final, please join us for a live pregame show with special guests and analysis. It's all happening. We've got uh, the NWSL championship final that's like a a week away. We are going to have a World Cup that's about nine months away. uh, And we have a draw to talk about and react to Lisa. It's a very, very exciting time. I mean, I know that you're like highlighting all these great things that are happening, but also Taylor Swift dropped Midnight's her 10th album. So how dare I? How could you forget? The disrespect. (laughs) I had no intentions of being disrespectful like that, but hundred percent that again, that all goes in line with what I said. A huge time, of course. For and soccer. We and saw Alex Morgan tweeting about it. You know, it's like, and of course, sweat, all baby. these all these things happening in the middle of the night. So my sleep schedule now is just completely out of whack because the Taylor Swift album, of course, dropping at midnight, and then a couple more songs at three a.m. And then we have the Women's World Cup draw last night at two thirty a.m. Eastern, going until three thirty a.m. Eastern, like. I just, um, when will I sleep again through the night? I'm not sure, but it's okay Delightful. if it's in 2024. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm here for it too. Uh, it's, it's, at least it's, uh, it's thrilling, right? It sort of like sets the stage. Uh, when will we sleep again? I don't know. You can hear, you, I'm sure you can hear it in our voices. We're groggy, we're croaky. Uh, we're, we're, we're working our way through it. And you know what? It's important to have community. We're doing this together. Copious amounts and you. of caffeine and we have each other. So here we are. Yeah, right. I'm like, let me slam this water real quick. It's going to be all good. In case you missed it, while you were sleeping, the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup draw took place. We are officially uh, nine months out from the 2023 World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. It's going to be taking place July 20th through August 20th across 10 stadiums, nine host city. 
And uh, this was really, the, you know, the draw. I really enjoyed it. At least I think it's, mm-hmm. uh, it, we, were, we had our jokes. We said, look, for those of us in the United States, depending on where you are on the coasts, it was a late night for both you and I in terms of Eastern time and Central times. Uh, but this was, it, it sort of felt like this first moment of for, for a lot of people who were tuning in, maybe getting introduced mm-hmm. to the, the World Cup that's going to be taking place in Australia and New Zealand. Um, the draw uh, taking place uh, in Auckland, New Zealand mm-hmm. specifically. And uh, there was a lot of buildup to the draw, right? Let's maybe talk about that a, a little bit. They, they didn't just kick off the show and say, let's pick some eggs. No, 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 no. Of course not. Of no, course no, no, not. There's no. a lot of ceremony, a lot of fanfare that goes around with it. And to host a World Cup is a tremendous honor. And for New Zealand and Australia to be co-hosting it, um, you could tell from watching this draw that they are just so incredibly proud of their country and what they are putting on at both of their countries and that they are so excited to share their homes like with the rest of the world coming up in 2023. And that's like the coolest thing to me. Like, yes, Australia and New Zealand is a, is a great place to, to visit and to go. But the fact that Everyone involved in the draw was from either of those countries and also very like welcoming and warm and like we can't wait for you to come visit us. And and I, it was just so exciting to see them. And also they're hyping it up because it, it is the biggest and the best. And, and there's no exaggeration there, right? Like when they say that this yeah. will be the biggest and the best Women's World Cup ever, like that's not – they're not being biased because they're hosting it because – it's expanded teams, right? Uh, the last several years, it's only been 24 nations entering the World Cup. This year, we have 32 countries. Um, there are already 29 of those 32 already qualified for the World Cup. The remaining three spots will be filled by the Inter-Confederation inter- playoffs that we talked about last week. That's taking place in February, uh, those playoff games. But because it is the biggest, 32 countries uh, being involved and it's taking place over two countries, like, yes, there should be a lot of pomp and circumstance around this because this is huge because the women's game is growing. And I think that was also very, very evident while watching this uh, draw and this hour-long um, spectacle of of what could be the groups and the pots and everything. They also did a great job explaining it. I will say that if anyone, like we're going to explain it for you here, but if anyone is very, very visual, go like YouTube, whatever. Fox yeah, run it back, right? Because those little dots that were like moving around and like potting into like the different pots and then the groups, I was like, I'm a visual learner. I'm so here for this. I mean, I knew what was happening, but it was very cool to see like when when they draw from the pots into the groups, you can't have two countries from the same federation in the same pot minus Europe. And so then they they skip and then we'll go back. I just think they did a fantastic job explaining it all for for the like casual fan. Yeah, I like that. It, I like that I had those visual components as mm-hmm. well. It sort of, you know, had everything moving around and I'm with you. I think like everything today, you can usually find things on YouTube, including us, right? Uh, oh, and yeah. uh, people should go ahead and run it back uh, on FIFA's uh, YouTube channel in case they, they missed out on it or, or need that sort of visual explainer, you know, compared to us just sort of running through it and, and talking uh, about it. But um, I loved the celebration of it all. I thought there was a lot of moments where it was 
um, very respectful and very polite. And uh, it was really cool to sort of see everybody uh, participating mm-hmm. in and really trying to showcase the, the cultures of uh, Australia and and New Zealand. And uh, it should have been celebrated. Like you said, Lisa, I mean, this is going to be to date the largest uh, mm-hmm. FIFA Women's World Cup. The World Cup is expanding specifically from from this point on. It is it, it's gone from I think it was twenty four teams the last time. Now it's thirty two teams who are going to be um, competing. And um, up until this point, I think the reason why we're also praising the the explanation of it all uh, during that live event was there were some moments um, within it that because there's only twenty nine of those thirty two teams right. are officially qualified at this moment. So there was a, a few picks within uh, within the pots there um, that were un- undetermined that yet to be decided. So those will uh, those teams will kind of slot in uh, come February and they were just simply referred to as playoff group A winners mm-hmm. or playoff group B winners or playoff group C winners. So that way they did have 32 selections to make over the course of the eight groups. So that's how it broke down. There were four pots of those 32 teams broken down and then divided up ultimately into eight groups. So group A through group H for uh, this draw. And uh, we sort of had a little bit of a preview uh, of of how things were going to be seeded potentially uh, because of the FIFA World Cup rankings that had dropped just prior to this event taking Mm -hmm. place. So ultimately, alongside the co-hosts, Australia and New Zealand, who were automatically uh, placed in pot one, uh, the highest ranking teams were then, uh, you know, sort of broken up over those four pots. So uh, what that meant was that we knew, at least for the United States women's national team, that it meant a tradition was going to be broken. They were not going to face yeah. Sweden, at least in the group stage of this World Cup. Yeah, for the first time in five years that uh, U.S. and Sweden will not be in the group stage together, which I think was a bit of a, a sigh of relief, um, at least for for someone like me who knows that that's just like such big competition and there are already so many other nations that the U.S., um, kind of goes up against and, and likes to have that competition. So when the FIFA rankings dropped, uh, what, two weeks ago or so, um, and we knew that the U.S. was first and, and so on and so forth, we knew that the U.S. and Sweden would be in the same pot. Um, but because Australia and New Zealand were put in that first pot, it meant that teams um, the like Canada was going to be moved to pot two, which like perhaps – um, like that's, I think what some people circled and looked at a little bit too, but yeah, I mean, as this kind of rolled out, it was the first, the, the teams in pot one that were being picked into their groups were always going to be placed in the first spot, um, of that group and, and then so on and so forth. And as, as it played out, um, we could, uh, as this is what I was doing. So as the United States got placed into their group, as it happened, I was then like yeah. checking the World Cup schedule because I was like, okay, now yeah. when did they play? Now that we know what group they're in, exactly. when did they play? What times? What country are they going to be in? Um, yeah. Which the entire World Cup schedule is out. We'll actually put a link to that in our description for this episode on YouTube and if you're listening as a podcast. So I'll put that link in the description. That way fans can click on that and actually see the full schedule. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, visual aids, right, are helpful sometimes uh, for, for folks. Uh, but, you know, I think that maybe, maybe there are folks out there who are wondering, like, well, hey, if the pots were already sort of uh, divided out and we ultimately knew which teams or how teams were going to be placed out, why did it matter who was, you know, group A1 or group or group A2 or, or excuse me, group A, A2, et cetera, et cetera. So every team that got placed into the respective group group also got an actual placement. So they were uh, divided into a group and then given a placement. So New Zealand got the honors of being within group, uh, group A and then listed as group A1 and uh, then so on and so on and so forth. And what that did is, as Lisa alluded to, is it basically determined Mm -hmm. who was gonna be playing who on those opening match days and then throughout the group stages. So that's why there was, uh, you know, selection within the groups and then actual placement for these teams as well. So it was very, very exciting. Uh, Let's go through all these eight groups for folks. They're just like, listen guys, just stop talking. We wanna know who the teams are. We know, Okay. Uh, so let's run through these groups, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about what that means for the U.S. Women's National Team. If you're joining us live on YouTube, welcome. You can check out these uh, the graphic of the draw results. Let's start with Group A. We've got co-hosts New Zealand, Norway, Philippines, and Switzerland. Group B, co-hosts Australia, Ireland, Nigeria, and Canada. Group C, Spain, Costa Rica, Zambia, and Japan. And Group D, England, the Group B playoff winner. Denmark and China. For Group E, it's the United States, Vietnam, Netherlands, and then the Group A playoff winner. Group F, France, Jamaica, Brazil, and Group C playoff winner. Group G is Sweden, South Africa, Italy, and Argentina. And then rounding out Group H, Germany, Morocco, Colombia, and Korea Republic. So those are our eight groups. Four nations in each group. That's how the group stages will play out. The winners will then move on to the knockout rounds and so on and so forth. So as you can see, the United States in Group E, I think Sweden being in Group G, those are some of the like big ones that I circled at first. Um, also England being in Group D. Oh, yeah. No, there was a, honestly, like maybe just talking about our our reactions to, to some of this going live. I, I know I was, you know, up and awake and covering it and tweeting through it, of course, and uh, just sort of watching all of the teams get selected into each group. It was, it was exciting. Cause it's like, it, it makes it feel more real, right. We're already oh, yeah. sort of talking about how, how close, how close it is. But I think people are naturally in a, in a tournament like this are looking for, you know, who are going to be the groups that are going to be, you know, what's the group of death or, you know, mm-hmm. who's, who's got maybe the easiest path or or what does that even mean when we're talking about hardest group versus you know maybe uh easiest group right so um looking at even just re- listening to you and I both read these back knowing that there are um three groups right that actually still don't have that full mm-hmm. picture quite yet I think it's also a very interesting component. So we've got, you know, group uh, D, we've got group E and group F that still are going to be waiting for that fourth team to join them. So for example, like if you're group D in England, Denmark and China, which is already 
Yeah. Very, very competitive group. I think if people are looking for a group D, D stands for death, maybe this might be the one. (laughs) But the possibility that they can also be joined up by either Chile, Senegal, or Haiti continues to make that group, I think, really intriguing um, to me. Uh, Then group uh, F with France, Jamaica, and Brazil. Again, another potential exciting group here. They could also add into the fold of this either Chinese Taipei, Paraguay, Panama, or Papua New Guinea. And then group E, which we're going to take a deep dive on because it's the United States Women's National Team group. This group is the United States, Vietnam, and Netherlands. But the fourth team that could join up in this group is either going to be Portugal, Cameroon, or Thailand. Yeah, I think that that's also like adds just so many more layers as to like how competitive this could be. Um, but I mean, looking at at these groups, I think Group D stood out to me, having England, Denmark, and um, China in that group, and then as long as well as one of the playoffs team coming in. I think that could be a really really challenging group. I also it, with the schedule and how the World Cup is laid out, it is between two different countries and nine cities. Um, which requires a lot of travel and, and looking at some of these groups, some groups um, have a, I'm going to say a little bit easier than other groups in terms of how much they're traveling, how much they're traveling, whether you're going on a three hour flight or you're taking like an hour bus ride. Like there's just a very big difference between these groups and kind of how they shook out um, in, in terms of, where they will be playing their group stage games, whether you're jumping between New Zealand and Australia on, on a hefty flight with, with a big travel day in there. Um, but looking at kind of group B, I think that's also a huge group to look at with Australia, yeah. Ireland, uh, Nigeria, yeah. and Canada. Canada, they're gold medalists coming off of the Tokyo Olympics. You have Australia, who's a host country. You have Ireland, that this is their first ever World Cup. Yeah. And then you have a team in Nigeria that's incredibly talented. I think that's a group that I initially circled as like, Oof, this is this yeah. is gonna be a really fun group to watch. You know, when I was reacting to it live, I think anyone who is on Twitter or, or operates on that ridiculous website, I think when I was <laughs> reacting to it live, uh I instinctually was like, you know, I think group B or excuse me, group B could potentially be something like a group of, of death, uh just because of, of the teams who, who are involved. Um but for me, it's 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 maybe not necessarily a group of death, but it, it's more like a, a bit of group of unpredictability. Because yeah. when we're looking at the four teams within Group B, Australia, Ireland, Nigeria, Canada, there's, I think, question marks around each of those teams that could also sort of be the X factor. So you've got the question marks that are also the X, X factor. So Australia... On the one hand, their tournament host, right? Their tournament co-host. Is that something that is going to carry this this team through the World Cup? Are we going to see the Matildas sort of ride the momentum of being co-hosts in yeah. this World Cup? In this World Cup, or are they gonna, you know, fold to, to pressure? Are are they gonna feel like the moment is is too big? You know, you have a uh, Canada who are entering this competition as the recent Olympic gold medalist? Will their momentum fade from such a high that they've been on over the course of the last 18 months or so? You know, Nigeria is this 
is, is a constant. They are an ever-present, multi-talented, faceted team. Is their attack going to carry them through this group stage, you know, or will we, you know, see uh, them them fade as well? We, we saw them not too long ago against the United States Women's National Team, so a, a, a couple of competitive matches, but also a team that is tr- similar to the United States, kind of trying to come back from mm-hmm. injury a little bit, yeah. right? And then you've got Ireland, who, uh, again, their question mark and possibly same X factor is the fact that they are debutants. And like, Huge question mark, yeah. You don't know what you're going to get with this team, you know, and, and that could always provide a surprise as well. So I don't know. <laughs> Instinctually, it was group of death for me, but now it's more just like, Group of unpredictability. Yeah, group of chaos. Honestly, group of chaos. I mean, you mentioned it. Republic of Ireland, they they beat Scotland, or excuse me, they beat Wales, right? To get into uh the World Cup. And and massive. Uh, massive, massive for this country, massive for these players. Like, and and I sometimes think that that could really propel a nation to uh, maybe play above their ranking, play above like what they're actually predicted to do. Um, so Republic of Ireland, just one of five uh, nations making their World Cup debut in Group A. It's also the Philippines. Group B, we have Republic of Ireland. In Group C, it's Zambia. And then in Group E, it is Vietnam. Um, and then Morocco, right? In Group H, I'm trying to like run through all of my my ones that yeah. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so- Five teams, Morocco, Philippines, Republic of Ireland, Vietnam, and Zambia making their their first World Cup appearances. Um, and I think like when you when you look at the groups as to those debutants, right? Like and the groups that they're in, um, looking at maybe which ones might struggle the like has the worst path. I think that Republic of Ireland probably has the best path in terms of like what they could do in that group. Um, I, I think you look at a team like Zambia going up against Japan, Costa Rica, Spain. And that's like a, that's a tough group for a yeah. new nation in the world cup at this world stage to go up against those three competitors um, that have the experience in it. Even a team like Costa Rica that has limited experience at the world cup, they still have that over a team like Zambia. Yeah. And it's interesting to sort of think back now, how the draw played out, right? You bringing up Costa Rica and they initially got drawn into group, B, right? Yeah. This this group that I'm referring to as the group of unpredictability. Uh, but they were unable to stay in group B because with the exception of UEFA nations, you could not have um, the same uh, participating uh, nations from the same region within the same group. Mm-hmm. So they got placed into group C uh, and then they went ahead and made another pick for, for group B, but uh, I don't know. In terms of a group of chaos, I don't know. I, I hear you going with group B is, is is maybe a group of chaos, but I'm looking at group F to be the group of chaos. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, I'm looking at France, Jamaica, uh, and Brazil as those uh, first three that were listed, and the possibility of having either Chinese Taipei, Paraguay, Panama, or Papua New Guinea join the fold. Um, I think even just looking at those first three teams. There's absolutely going to be chaos in, in, in oh, this group. Yeah. Um, I mean, my goodness, just sort of thinking back to the 2019 World Cup in which France and Brazil sort of gave us that ridiculous round of 16 match. It was a 2-1 win for France, ended up eliminating Brazil. Uh, Marta giving a very iconic yep. speech and at this point now after that game. Uh, many 
people perceive that, hey, like maybe that's her World Cup farewell. I don't know. I think she might have one more in her. Uh, but, you know, you've got those two teams with, with the history between each other, but you also have the inclusion of Jamaica as well. And listen, the reggae girls are not debutantes this year nope. and have shown that they are a team that can beat you on the right day at the right time. You know, so I'm looking at, uh, you know, Group F to be the group of chaos. I'm looking at Group B to be the group of unpredictability. And I'm going to, I think I'm going to stick with Group D to sort of be that group of death. I, I don't think it's going to be a, a cakewalk for England. I, I do predict that yeah. they will get through this group stage, but I don't anticipate that it will be easy. No. Uh, England, Denmark, China, and then the possibility of having either Chile, Senegal, or Haiti. China are entering this World Cup as the winners of the uh, Asian, the Women's Asian Cup, their World Cup qualifiers. The Steel Roses, in my opinion, yeah. have reintroduced themselves into the fold. This is a program that has been working themselves back to try to make sure that they have a relevant presence in international tournaments and i think this group could even could reintroduce them even more to a right. much larger and much more vast crowd so the, even the possibility of like a team like haiti entering the mix of this group absolutely i think i'm going group b as, as a yeah group of death for, for me. i agree I, I think group d is incredibly difficult i mean you look at it the draw results as a whole and um, the the number one seeding in each of these groups, like these nations are incredibly difficult to beat and to play like New Zealand, Australia, Spain, England, the United States, yeah. France, Sweden, Germany. You look at teams like Canada, you look at, uh, I, I think the Netherlands are up there as a team that can really compete. The, it's just is so competitive and that's also what makes this world cup incredibly incredibly special because not only have we expanded to 32 countries but the overall competition of women's football is increasing and and we have seen that throughout the euros throughout the friendlies that we've been watching throughout the playoff uh like concacaf play-ins and the other regional play-ins for this world cup it's incredibly competitive and that's literally why this world cup is going to be the best one that we have ever seen New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Yeah. In terms of what it could mean for the United States women's national team, I mean, looking at the, the sort of overall picture right now, the very way too early, early overview is, you know, they're, they're going into this this tournament as the reigning World Cup champions. Right. And not just of 2019, but of 2015, mm -hmm. you know, so they've got a target on their back. They are going to be entering this tournament 
potentially chasing a three-peat, right? So while it was incredibly difficult to go uh, back-to-back, I can imagine the mountain to potentially three-peat, right, and get another star, it's going to be even more difficult. So looking at just the United States with Vietnam, Netherlands, and the possibility of having either Portugal, Cameroon, or Thailand join them, I just look at this group, Lisa, and it doesn't strike me as a lot of challenges in this group yeah. stage for the United States. So looking at these teams, they're going to face Vietnam, right? Who's going to be a debutant in this, mm-hmm. uh, in this world cup, as we've mentioned already. Uh, and then the possibility of having either Portugal, Cameroon or Thailand, Thailand, a team that they faced in their 2019 group stage. It caught mm-hmm. a lot of different uh, type of reactions to that blowout loss. Uh, some folks uh, sort of, you know, reacting negatively to that, saying that that was dis- it was a disrespectful result for the World Cup. Others saying that it's disrespectful to not play your best within the World Cup against another team, no matter, you know, the state of the programs. So, uh, you know, the possibility that the United States could not only face Vietnam, but Thailand again, right? Two yeah, huge two Asian teams here. I think people are looking at that and saying, well, this could possibly be an easier path into the knockout rounds for the United States. Well, I I mean, yes, that's honestly my first reaction. The United States is not in the group of death. Not at all. They it, it's not a cakewalk by any means. Um, but Looking at how some of these other groups shook out, some uh, some of the other nations that could have been drawn into this group with the United States, I mean, this is an easy hand for the U.S. And that scares me. Honestly, that scares yeah. me. I think the Netherlands being being pulled into this Group E definitely helps, right? 2019 World Cup final rematch for the United States and the Netherlands in this group stage. Um I hope that jazzes up the, the U.S. women's national team a little bit. But if this is a group that – um, but could be seen as as a nice like ease into the World Cup and into the knockout rounds because it is just the group stage that they'll be playing in in this one. And frankly, that does frighten me a little bit because the United States understands that they have a target on their back, winning back to back World Cups. Now coming into this one, they're of course looking to do it again. And every single nation, whether they are the number two ranked FIFA nation in the world or it's one of the the nations that still is trying to play in, they want to defeat the United States. They want to crush them in between their hands. And I, I think that the U.S. understands that. And these players realize that not only is there a target on their back, but there's a huge spotlight on their face, um, especially with how they finished the 2020 Tokyo Olympics with how they just performed in Europe against England and, and Spain. I think that this is a, a team that can rise to the occasion and do it. And I'm really glad that the draw happens nine months out from, from the United States first game because we really what it is. Yes. And now they know, right? So now the team knows. They it, Last November, the United States went to Australia to play in a pair of friendlies in yeah. preparation for this World Cup, to go down under, to play in that country, to play in front of that fan base against a host country in Australia. Now, they haven't been to New Zealand yet. And when you look up the schedule for Group E, they are playing the entire group rounds in New Zealand. Yeah. So 
could we see them going to New Zealand in the next nine months in preparation? Like, I would not be surprised if we see that, if we see Black Wendonofsky somehow make uh, friendlies happen where this U.S. team goes there and does that because the the group stage is going to start fast, right? They've got Vietnam up first, July 22nd, United States versus Vietnam, and then the United States versus Netherlands on July 27th. That's so circled. That game is so circled for me because that will determine um, really like how the rest of the tournament is going to go for the United States. And then they play the group A one on August 1st. I think it's going to, that Netherlands game is going to determine first place of the group, quite frankly. Uh, I don't think it's unfair to, to say that. I'm sure both of those programs already have that game circled on their calendars as well because that might be the game that the two of those programs are looking at is saying like, Hey, how we perform in this one will give us a base mm-hmm. for how we're going to navigate the possibility of a knockout round. Right. And I think there's that argument as well. I think there's that argument of like, uh, you know, the United States women's national team has typically been, you know, a, a, one of these teams that has sort of gotten stronger within a tournament as it goes on. Um, and while I, while history, you know, shows that to, to, to be true, I don't know if that's necessarily uh, an argument that can be made for recent form of this team. And, and I would even include, you know, the 2019 World Cup um, mm-hmm. within that because mm-hmm. they had a group that was United States. They were up against good old traditional Sweden, right? Those were the top two teams in <laughs> old, that group. Old, trusty Sweden. <laughs> all reliable, right? So it was United States, Sweden, and then they had Chile and Thailand. Yep. So I think even when I'm talking about recent history, I'm even including that 2019 uh, World Cup. That I don't know if this, if this United States program has had one of those tournaments where they can point to it and say, like, here's a, a tournament where we got stronger as it went on. I don't know if you can make that argument for 2019 as they still close out in that group F as the top team. They defeated, they were undefeated in that group stage. They beat Sweden 2-0. Yep. They had that massive 13 blowout against Thailand. They, you know, Jill Ellis started what people considered a B team against yeah. Chile in order to provide full rotation. For that team, and and um, that's that's what I don't want heading into this group. Like I don't. But they won, but they won in 2019. I know. I it's just looking don't... at similar recipes. Isn't this already building up to be a similar yes. recipe than we yes, saw in 2019? I, I yes, I agree. I think it's a similar type of setup that we have, but I think that from 2019 to 2023, uh, other nations have gotten stronger. They've also yes figured out the United States and, and understand how they play a little bit more because the United States played yeah. so many games that there's so much to learn and to watch if you're another nation. I, I think that the disparity between teams is much less now, and that's what makes me nervous. I feel you because we also have an Olympic blueprint that yep. shows that that wasn't the case either, that I think folks who were who were watching it, those of us who were covering it, we were looking at those to- Tokyo games and we were saying, oh, like, any minute now, this United States women's national team is, is going to continue to progress further in this tournament and get stronger. And it that didn't did necessarily happen. happen. It happened to a certain extent in which they did medal in those Tokyo Olympics. But when you're the, the program, the number one ranked program in the world that has prided itself on, on you know being the best, 
perhaps that was, you know, a, a bit of a, a finish that they yeah. didn't want, despite and think, being a better finish in 2016. Right, right. And I think that there is a balance between game management and and playing every game like it's your last game, right? Like that it is the World Cup final. And, and there is that element to game management. But that comes down to so many details that we can't even begin to look at at yeah. this point. But I, I just... I want the United States to go out there and and play this group like they are playing against Sweden, like they are playing against England, like they are playing against Germany. I, that's what I want. Um, I mean, we'll see. Time will tell. Right? We'll, we'll like see. Body, we're, player minutes, like we're we're nine months out. So here's the other side of this with, that I'm going to present to you, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. The draw has happened. The United States knows what group they're in. They know at least two of the three teams within this group that they are going to face and the possibility of paths to a World Cup final. Is it now more pressure, less pressure, or does having the visual in front of them, is that going to aid them in prep? 100% knowing the draw, understanding who's in your group, who are in the other groups and what other groups have to go through helps the United States in their preparation for this. I mean, now they understand who they can prepare for. You look at their list that, that, that they need to go against Vietnam, the Netherlands, they can understand what nations they need to prepare, um, the different tactics that they can have, understanding that they will be playing all in New Zealand, a, a place that they've never played before. The United States has never been to New Zealand and played. So now you have that aspect of it, but you at least have something to grasp and to wrap your head around and to start planning around. Yeah, this this helps. That's why they do the draw nine, 10 months out from the actual start of the World Cup. So these nations can start preparing for their competitors and they can start um, coming up with their own personal game plans as they head into these groups. And it's not just the group that you're in that you you focus on. You also have to be looking at the other groups and know Okay, when we're looking at other nations are doing, um, uh, say you look at Sweden in Group G, like, okay, they're going to go up against South Africa and Italy and Argentina. What teams um, in South Africa, Italy and Argentina play similarly to the United States? Okay, those are the matches that we're going to really key in on and watch while we're there. Like, And that's all the staff of, of teams to, to be doing that. But the planning starts now, like 8 a.m. Saturday morning after the draw. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the uh, I'm sure all the the you know the group chats where we're going off and uh, teams and the coaching staff are reacting to it, right? Head coach Black Vladanovsky was at the draw, right, getting the uh, getting the reactions of uh, of the head coach there, and ultimately Vladanovsky alluding to the fact saying after today the actual preparation does start for the World Cup. Yep. In the lead up to July 2023. So we'll see. It's going to be an exciting build up. We're going to be here all along the way to sort of uh, continue the coverage and the path to the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. That's it from us today at Attacking Third. Thank you all so much for joining us live this morning to react. Uh, the Women's World Cup is just nine months away. Be sure to download, follow, and subscribe to us anywhere as a podcast. And please subscribe to us on YouTube so that you don't miss a second of World Cup coverage. We will be back on Sunday with NWSL semifinal recaps for Sergio Herrera and Lisa Roman. This was Attacking Thursday.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.